Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. I am so grateful that you've chosen to share your commute, your walk, or something else that's productive in your day with me. It really means a lot that you're coming along on this journey. I'm spending a year working to improve myself inside and out in an effort to become, well, you know, if you've seen the title of the show, really professional. This week's wisdom comes from the most unlikely places, just about 150 years ago. If you're anything like me, then you've heard or sampled the works of Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Susan B. Anthony, and Mark Twain, and you thought, I should really make time to read more of those books. And that time, well, it has never really come around. So my friend John Janch has done us all a solid and put together a new book with a daily excerpt from each one of these authors and many more. John is a very successful thought leader. His duct tape marketing blog was chosen as a Forbes favorite, and his duct tape marketing podcast was called a must-listen by Fast Company. Seth Godin called John the Peter Drucker of small business tactics. I can't think of a better compliment than that. This book is something very new for this marketing guru. It's called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, but the concepts we're going to discuss are immensely helpful for anybody trying to create something, anything in the world, and for anybody trying to make a difference inside their organization. In today's conversation, John and I are going to cover what it means to be self-reliant and why it's so important to accomplishing our goals, how to change your relationship with fear, why play is so important to creating your best work, why being cautious about how you're perceived is going to get in your way of creating real change, and how to revise your definition of success and happiness. Before I dive into the conversation, I just want to take a second and remind you to subscribe and review the show. It means so much to me when you take a second to do so. And I'm doing this 2019 handstand challenge, and every time a new review pops up, I do a practice handstand. So you're really helping me out in a number of different goals for the year. Now, here is my conversation with John. John Janch, you are a marketing expert, the host of a very successful podcast just rated in the top 50 of all podcasts. You've been doing it for a long time. Everything you do seems to be about marketing. And then you write this book. And first, you have to explain what this book is. And then why why you wrote it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So this is actually a, a, a book. The title is The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and it is my sixth book. Um, and my five previous books have all been about some aspect of marketing. Um, I wanted to write this book kind of two reasons. Selfishly, um, and we'll get into the literature, um, it uses a lot of literature from a time period that I think was the, the, some of the best entrepreneurial writing ever. <laughs> So it gave me a chance to really go deep into uh, a subject that, you know, let's face it, a lot of, you know, once we left high school and college, a lot of us left a lot of that kind of stuff behind some of the, the great works of like Thoreau and Emerson and Margaret Fuller and Louisa May Alcott. So it was awesome chance to kind of go back and 
almost feel like I was, you know, back in school again. But I also I've owned my own business for three decades now, and I feel like in hindsight, you know, I can point to a lot of the ways that I've grown over that period of time, and I, I really just kind of wanted to share that. I don't want to call it wisdom. I'll let somebody else call it that, but I wanted to share kind of my thoughts on that in in hindsight, kind of looking back at my career, because I I I also believe very firmly that you know entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are here to save the world, particularly the world we live in right now. Um, and so the self-reliant entrepreneur is kind of meant to be sort of that handbook for that. And you can, you can ask me what I mean by that <laughs> when we get into it, but, but I, I really, I've always believed it. <laughs> John, you know that I think you're brilliant, but I, I think that you may have named this book poorly because I think that this book is applicable to anybody who's trying to make a difference in the world, not just entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, anybody who yeah. is an artist that is trying to create something and has all of the feelings that are associated with that creation process. Yes, and I really appreciate that comment, Diana. Um, I'm a marketer, and I had to narrow my target market. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But we have a lot of non-entrepreneurs listening to this. You, you bet. You would not be the first person that has said that, um, and and I really appreciate that. Um, I guess maybe in some ways I felt like this was a stretch for me, and so for me to write the entrepreneur, the uh, the self-reliant person, felt like <laughs> uh, you know I didn't feel qualified to write that, but but I'm glad that people are sensing that. So this book is a daily meditation that covers the work of the transcendentalist movement. See, I already did it wrong. You you tell me how you say it. <laughs> so it's the transcendentalist, but you know, let's not get too hung up on that because people start thinking like, is that some weird religion or something? Uh -huh. um, it, it actually was kind of a social reform movement in the mid uh, 19th century. Um, and you think about the time we were in it uh, at that time, we were on the cusp of the civil war uh, the women's movement was, you know, to, to move to vote was just really, you know, picking up steam. We were trying to abolish slavery. And so, uh, and, and there were a lot of still religious constraints from kind of the European, you know, religious traditions. And so um, a lot of the literature from that period and people that got kind of called transcendentalists were really just some of the first people saying, hey, we're all connected. <laughs> we need to think, you need to think for yourself. You are enough already. You don't have to worry about what other people tell you you should be. And that was the kind of revolutionary thinking at the time. So they got kind of branded as like this movement. Um, but it, it, a lot of the literature also is called, uh, is from a period uh, that, that's often referred to as American Romanticism. Um, and so it was just kind of that first time when, in a lot of ways, America was kind of through their literature was kind of creating their own brand um, and breaking kind of the, the shackles of, of only being a country at that point for about 100 years. The biggest thing that I took away from these writings is that they, they keep trying to say, don't follow the crowd. There's yeah. a lot of fault to doing things the way that everybody else does it. And there's something really special about, you know, trying to be great and making changes for other people. But what's so cool about this is, and, and I mean, we've all been told this, this is not necessarily new. I mean, these writings are 150 years old, but the the idea is that, that you, there is only one you <laughs> and, you know, you're here with your own set of gifts to do something in the world. And you just, you have to trust yourself enough that you have to stop letting other people control you and you have to stop controlling the outcome of everything. And then your true gifts are the only thing left to shine. So the book is, it starts out with a small quote from one of these authors, 
and then you kind of explain your takeaways from it and then leave people with a challenge question, something that they can reflect on in their life. Is there a reason that you structured the book this way? <sighs> it's that reason. Let me why, think. Why did um, you why did you do a, like a daily meditation? Yeah, why? yeah, yeah. Well, so so I wanted to write, you know, again, this was going to be a very different book for me. And I didn't want to write the seven steps to becoming a self-reliant entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Um, and and because one of the things that I know, or at least I've uh, experienced um, myself, is that becoming self-reliant or you know, let's break it down, trusting yourself, you know, following your truth, finding your passion. These are things that, that form out of habitual practice. They don't form out of, oh, I read a great book and got a great idea. Now I know my purpose. You know, it's something that is uh, self-reflection, uh, self-trust, self-awareness, you know, that, that, you know, the hope is that it's, you know, it's something you do daily. It's something you practice. And so the format felt like a way for, instead of me, preaching, you know, here's the plan or here's the path. Just, hey, check in every day. Does this make sense to you? Does this help keep you, you know, thinking the way that you need to be thinking? Because you know quite well, as, as I do, the second you leave the door <laughs> or leave the house, um, if, if that's what you do to go, you know, to go to your work or uh, go do whatever it is you do, you know, the world comes at you fast and furiously. And, and so, you know, if you can take a moment and sort of get centered around a thought that, that maybe is going to help you get through the day, maybe you'll be more productive that day. That's exactly right. So I wanted to go over a couple of my favorite passages from the book, and maybe we can talk about how, how you took them and, and why they're sure. so powerful and apply. So the first one is from Henry David Thoreau, 1854, about being busy and the plague of being busy. So the quote is, our life is frittered away by detail. An honest person has hardly need to count more than their 10 fingers, or in extreme cases, they may add their 10 toes and then lump the rest. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. I say, let your affairs be as two or three and not a hundred or a thousand. Instead of a million, count half a dozen and keep your accounts in your thumbnail. Now, number one, I don't understand maybe a third of what they're saying, but the (laughs) other two thirds are so profound, right? It's 1854. And he's talking about what appears to be the human condition to be busy and plagued by business, right? It, it means that no yeah. tools yeah. or gadgets yeah. or time management tips are going to help you get out of this problem that you are in right now. Yeah, Thoreau was basically saying, get the hell off Facebook, wasn't he? <laughs> I think it's about to-do lists, right? It's about yeah. not yeah. having a to-do list that's 50 things long. It's about having a to-do list that's so short, you don't even need to write it down. I was really blown away. So many times I would stop when reading some of this and go, my God, this was, this could have been written yesterday. Uh, Because I I think that's, you know, I've been giving that advice to a lot of business owners that, you know, we'll do a quarterly planning session and they'll come away with 19, you know, priorities for the quarter. It's like, uh, we can only do two or three things. Well, (laughs) you know, take, take your pick. And I, and I think that that certainly, uh, you could apply that exact sort of thing to a, a business situation, or as you said, I mean, to life in general. Um, we, we, we suck a lot of the joy out of the things we're doing by trying to worry about what happened yesterday and, uh, think about what we got to do tomorrow. Um, and that, you know, that comes from, from this sort of sense of overload. So, the, so the first thing to me, like the big aha uh-huh, that keeps you from doing great things is just how many things you've given yourself to do. 
So yeah. let's start by getting rid of the vast majority of them that don't really matter or make a difference. Mm -hmm. And the next thing that gets in your way, this next reading is from Ralph Waldo Emerson about your inherent desire to be consistent outwardly to other people and what other people think of you. So the quote yeah. is, the other terror that scares us from self-trust is our consistency, a reverence for our past act or word because the eyes of others have no other data for computing our orbit than our past acts, and we are loath to disappoint them. This is so powerful because... We do so many things because of who we are supposed to be. We, we can't try this at work or go out on a limb because you have this past and what people are going to think about your new thing is, is very difficult. And I, I can tell you how often I meet people who still say to me, oh, are you still practicing law? And at first it was embarrassing for me to say, no, I, I don't do that anymore. And now it's like a joke, like, oh, my God, that's like three different careers ago. Let me catch you up on the last <laughs> 10 years, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if I wrote that in this passage or, or not. I mean, they've all I won't say they run together, but uh, there was a lot of words in this book. <laughs> um, but think about um, how many times uh, and this this rings true for me. Maybe it'll ring true for other people. How many times, you know, you're out there being a successful lawyer or whatever your career is, you're doing your thing. And then you go back to like a family gathering and all of a sudden you're Johnny, you know, the funny guy or the whatever person. And that's what people expect from you. And you sort of revert back to that. Uh, I don't know if that rings true for, for you, but but I think a lot of people can probably relate to that idea that that, you know, we we don't it's so hard for us to to have somebody see us differently that we sometimes hide ourselves uh, because of it. One of the things that I think is, is great about this, um, this literature and about kind of the themes in this is that New Emerson goes on to say numerous times that um, one of the great things about self-reliance is you get to change your mind. Um, and I think that that's, that's a piece that's really missing. We hold so steadfast onto, this is my belief. You know, this is what I've been taught, you know, growing up. Um, and, and we, we stop growing because, you know, I, I sometimes tell people our, our job as entrepreneurs, a lot of times is to prove ourselves wrong, you know, is to go out there and find, okay, that didn't work. So that means I need to go this way, uh, rather than to just say, I've got all the answers. There's, there's just no growth in having all the answers. Yeah. You cannot grow without change. You said that, uh, in your description of the passage, I thought that was, that was so powerful. Did you feel any of those feelings for consistency, John, when you were thinking about this project, like what people are going to think about a marketing expert writing this book? Yeah. I don't know that, you know, part of it is I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> really. Well, that's, I that's mean, one you know. of the pieces of advice they offer is to stop caring about <laughs> that. that. I, I, th I think, you know, in, in my growth, you know, as an entrepreneur, I have stopped caring about so much about, you know, that idea. Um, so that helps, I guess, a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, there, there are points at time when I'm saying something that maybe comes off a little probably preachier than I wanted to. And, uh, you know, I can envision somebody reading that going, well, who are you to tell me this, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, but the reality is, here's what's so ironic about this book is, you know, I, I've been telling people, buyer beware. These are really my experiences. Um, and, you know, it's sort of ironic to write, to, to, to write a book about self-reliance or about trying to tell somebody how to be self-reliant because it's on you. Um, these are just ideas and thoughts. There's no plan in here that says, well, first you need to lock yourself in a barn for a month and do this. It is totally on you. Um, and this is, these are just ideas. I mean, they're very powerful ideas. 
Jason, I want to start by reminding everybody that everybody who advertises on the show is somebody that we reached out to. People have asked us to be on our show and we've said no because we don't use the products, but we have our stamp of approval on every single one of these companies. Yeah, this is like legit stuff that we really like. So we encourage you to try it out and tell us how it's going because we love it and we love to talk about it. There's nothing we love to talk about more than the whoop. Yeah, I'm jazzed every time. The Whoop provides a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that pairs to an app and provides you with daily personalized analytics, insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. So you know when your body is recovered, when it needs rest, by getting to know your nervous system through your heart rate variability and your quality of sleep. We thought it would be fun for each of us to write down our favorite things about the Whoop, and we haven't heard each other's comments. So rapid fire, Jason, what's your favorite? The precision with which it tracks my sleep. It's okay. incredible. It's very accurate. Yeah, like it'll tell me exactly how long I was in REM sleep, how long I was, all, I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Okay, mine is, you never have to take it off to charge it. It's got the coolest little gadget that slips on to charge it while you're still wearing it. You don't have to be attached to anything. That's a good one. Uh, I love how it detects that you just worked out or you just did something where your heart rate was up and then asks you what it is and then logs it in for you. I love it when that comes up and it's like, hey, did you do an activity? I'm like, oh, you noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I must have really done <laughs> must have really ex exerted myself. Okay, I love how it tracks every little bit of exertion. It's not like your steps or your workout. It is. It tracks me making dinner or negotiating with True in a store dressing room. It is the most accurate measure of your daily exertion, and it'll tell you whether you need to take it easy or whether you can really do a hard workout today. I like the thing where you can join a team of other whoop wearers and then uh, compete. So like I have, there's this organization I'm a part of, they asked me to join it. And so like every day I can look and be like, oh, my friend Ravi got more sleep than me. Or like, oh man, he worked out twice. I got to work out twice today. It's really good for your competitive instincts. Mine's kind of like that in that it has improved our marriage because it helps us see each other on a completely new level. Each morning we can show each other how rested we are, how much energy we have. And I feel like it helps us take care of one another much better. Yeah, it's like a little trump card. It's like, no, I'm actually more tired than you. <laughs> All right, you need to take care of me today. So Whoop has provided an offer for our listeners to get 15% off your purchase with the code Diana. You just go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use the code Diana at checkout to save 15% and optimize the way that you live. Jason, I was reading an article this week that half of Americans cheat on their financial institution. Ooh, titillating. They have more than one bank account bank. Scandalous. Yeah. And and you know why? It's because the bank that you picked when you were 17 years old just doesn't feel right for you anymore. And you want to play around. It's not like a marriage like you and me. Like, I mean, we've been together since prom, but like we've it's had a lot of banks in that time. <laughs> doesn't always work out. What I'm saying is that the reason that half of Americans have more than one bank is like something doesn't feel right. But now we found the bank. That feels really good. I mean, in mm. our in our mid to late 30s, that's what it takes. Play around the field. Late 30s, be honest. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we usually do promo codes on the show just for our listeners. But with NBKC, banking there is like a whole promo code. Like, Banking with them is free. No account fees, no overdraft fees, no ATM fees if you use their ATM network. And it's just an amazing experience. And I know that because I've been around. 
Yeah. With different banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of know all the banks in town. And BKC is actually the bank behind many of the popular different fintech companies, savings apps, bill cutting apps, and other money-related apps. They actually have a fintech accelerator inside their building to assist startups who are trying to create new and creative ways for you to do things with money. It's an amazing, amazing place. And they want to give you a box of stuff just for opening an account at MBKC that I picked out. Books that we've talked about on the show, professional AF stuff that's not available for sale anywhere. All you have to do is go to nbkc.com slash Diana. I have my own website on their website. It's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty great bank. I mean, obviously we're in our late thirties and we found this bank and then they're like, here's your website. It's a great deal. Yeah. You should go to mbkc.com slash Diana to see what a different bank feels like, looks like, and then all the cheating will end because you will have found the one. You'll feel better. Okay. So the things that are standing in your way, you know, we talked about how busy you are. Then we talked about what you fear other people will think of you. And then there's the big one, which is your fear of failure, right? That is what stops so many of us from doing anything. And one of the things that I love is you include the passages from these folks 150 years ago, but then you also include how they have been interpreted in, in modern times by, by modern self-reliant writers. And you have this quote from Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art that says, are you paralyzed with fear? That is a good sign. Fear is good. Like self-doubt, fear is an indicator. Fear tells us what we have to do. And I've never heard it phrased that way. And it's such a freeing feeling like, oh, if I'm afraid of something, I should do it. Yeah. If you haven't read any of Stephen Pressfield's work, I mean, it, it is amazing, amazing stuff. You know, I read that years ago and, I, and, and it's really something that took me a while, but I've really embraced it. And, and his whole idea behind this is that, that, uh, that if you're really afraid to do something, that's probably the universe telling you, you, that's the thing you should focus on, um, you know, rather than the easy path. Like how many times have you made a to-do list? Um, and there was one really, really hard thing on there and somehow you got everything else done, you know, because you didn't <laughs> want to do that hard thing that you were afraid to do. Um, and then, you know, the next day you turn around and you do that first and all of a sudden you're, you're like, you're more joyful, you know, that entire day because that thing's not weighing down on you. And I, I think that's, you know, again, um, self-reliance could, could be summed up as, as self-trust. Um, and I think that that's a lot of, if, if we are going to find our purpose in life, if we're going to find our purpose in our business, you don't sit down and figure that out until you are able to trust yourself. Um, that's why so many people struggle with it because, you know, they, they, they feel like there's a prescription for finding their passion and their purpose. And, and the prescription is really, you know, figure out how to trust yourself, how to stop listening to other people, how to stop trying to control the outcome of every situation in your business and uh, purpose will find you. John, is there something that happened that caused you to want to write this book? Like, did you have some kind of an epiphany or a life event that, that turned you to this? No, um, <laughs> not, not, uh, yeah, how was that for this short answer? Should I stop there? <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> not really. Um, I would say that uh, probably um, I've been on this journey since, and I forgot what year it was, around 1992-ish. 
Um, I was rocking and rolling my business, uh, doing things that I thought were how you were supposed to run a business. Um, I, to shorten the story, got a visit from the FBI who wanted me to testify before a grand jury because one of my clients was doing some things that I did not participate in, thankfully. Uh, didn't really have anything to share with them. But did I know something was wrong? Maybe. And it was really kind of a time where, I mean, it was really, I mean, for those of you listening who have never sat before a grand jury, it's scary. <laughs> uh, so it was also a time for me to say, what am I doing? You know, I had taken, you know, clients and I'd taken business uh, with people I didn't respect, people I didn't believe in. Um, and it really did change. It was a moment of change for me, probably in my entire life, but certainly in, in, in my business. And I, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that, I mean, I don't know if they have that moment, but you know, it's really easy to just get out there going saying, okay, I got to hustle some business. I got to do some work. Okay. And you know, next thing you know, you're like, you're doing things that don't jive with your values. You don't even know how you got there. Um, and it's easy, you know, to get there. And, and that's really, so, so this book in a way has been 20 years in the, in the making rather than overnight. But I point to that event as a turning point for, for me to start studying what do I need to do to make sure that I'm who I am. And it was almost like you decided to write the book so that you had an excuse to read all these writings. Is that right? <laughs> well, there's no question that there was a selfish element uh, to that. Um, but, but I think in a lot of ways, what these writings did is they just helped anchor me in what I wanted to say. One of my favorite things to learn is that Mark Twain was one of the self-reliance authors, which I, I discovered so many people like Edgar Allan Poe, who was part of the movement that I had no idea that they were involved. So thank you for that. But one of my favorite quotes from Mark Twain in the book is what I have done, I have done because it has been play. If it had been work, I should not have done it. When, we're, when we talk about the great workers of the world, we really mean the great players of the world. And the people, he's talking about how the people who are slaves for their work, that they're unhappy, that they're groaning and they're sweating because somebody else is making them do something, they are never going to produce anything great. Because the, the last line of it is, the product of slavery intellectual or physical can never be great. I love that he says it so plainly, you know, but it, you know, there's certainly a lot of people that are talking about this idea of, you know, you, if you find joy in your work, you'll never work another day. Uh, you know, and I'm, I believe that wholeheartedly, but I think sometimes that idea gets misinterpreted uh, that, you know, you have to go out and find the thing that you love, you know, and then, you know, build a business around that. Uh, because what I've experienced is that a lot of people don't know what they love. <laughs> they never, you know, until they experience it. And so the only real act is to go out and experience it, to go out and do things um, and to get good at doing things. And guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to love it <laughs> um, and rather than the other way around. You don't wait around for like this love train to hit you and go, this is what I'm going to do in life. You go out and you start doing it and you start experiencing it and you start getting good at it. And all of a sudden you're going to find joy in it. Oh, I, I meet so many uh, people, especially a lot who are just graduating from school and they have this strong idea of what they're going to love to do. And I, I say yep. to them, it's like hypothesizing that you're going to like Indian food, having never tried Indian food. You know, you just can't guess <laughs> if it's going to be one of your great loves or if you're going to be like, you know what, this is not for me. 
And the the way that you can find whether that's your kind of food or whether there's something that's even better out there is to just try as many different things as possible without worrying what people will think of you for having tried so many different things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I admire, um, you know, a couple of my kids, um, you know, have done semesters in, in you know, India and Australia and gone off and, and just, you know, tried different, uh, you know, different things, backpacked across South America for, you know, a few months, you know, without having any idea of what they're going to come back to as a job. And um, I just, you know, I wish I'd have had the, the guts to do that when I was that age. I know, me too. I wish I had more guts <laughs> to, to try things all the time. You know, I always say like, I wish I would have started before 14. (laughs) Just think of what I could have accomplished. Well, you've mastered that the handstand now. So, well, I haven't mastered it, but I'm, I'm working on it. It is my new thing that I'm, I'm trying hopefully by the end of the year. Well, the next quote is from Susan B. Anthony, who was another person I didn't know was part of the self-reliance movement. And, and this quote touches me so deep into my soul. Uh, It's amazing that it was written in 1860. Cautious, careful people always casting about to preserve their reputation and their social standing never can bring about reform. Those who are really in earnest must be willing to be anything and nothing in the world's estimation. And this is so powerful for me because I see people on a daily basis inside organizations who are more worried about losing what they have and they start making decisions that are bad because of that self-preservation. And I I will just tell you that decisions for self-preservation are never going to be the same decisions that you would make when you think about creating value for customers or or what's right for the company as a whole. They will never be the same. You know, it's an interesting thing about the context of that um, reading is that was from a speech that she gave uh, primarily aimed, um, believe it or not, at women who, again, you know, we're not joining the movement, but seeking self-preservation. So it is an interesting, when taken out of context, how you can apply it to so many things. Yeah, there's so many times in our lives when we take our cues from the crowd of what is the right thing to try or what is the right thing to do, instead of saying to ourselves, like, how do I feel about this? Aside from what anybody around me says or thinks, do I think this is the right thing to do? And the amount of greatness that you can create by trusting your gut is, is, uh, I don't know, immeasurable. Yeah. And I think, I think what people have to do is they just have to experience that a time or two, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to stay in the safe place. Um, but when you experience a lot of times what happens, the, the growth, the, you know, the value to your brand, if you will, you know, by staying, you know, on, you know, what you believe the, 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 a lot of times we think we're going to lose a lot from, you know, making the hard choice. Um, and, and if you do it a time or two, what you end up experiencing is, is that you attract a whole new tribe. An incredible growth, personally, yep. professionally. You know, if you're afraid of it, then that is a sign you must do it. I think I'm going to say that Not like sure. three times a day now, John, thanks to you. <laughs> I know we're talking about self-reliance on this episode, but in preparation for a future episode, I'm reading this book about sleep. And it's blown my mind. She keeps being like, hey, True and Jason, check out this new thing I learned about sleep. And True, I think, is kind of like, there's new things to learn about sleep, but there are. 
it, it's not like one of the more important things for you to do yourself. It's the most important thing. And it's becoming a regular topic of conversations in our house, even before this book. Yeah, no, we talk about sleep all the time. And that's why we wanted to bring on Purple Mattress to tell you about this new mattress that we got about six months ago. It has made such a big difference in our lives. The Purple Mattress is probably going to feel different than anything that you've experienced before because it uses this brand new material that was developed by actual rocket scientists. It's not like the memory foam that we had on our last mattress. The Purple Mattress feels very unique because it is both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling very comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool, which Jason enjoys. Very much. Uh, you get a 100-night risk-free trial, and if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. Uh, it's backed by a 10-year warranty, you get free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, and old mattress removal, which, by the way, is clutch because nobody wants to move a mattress. I mean, it's a, it's amazing just getting it out the door of your room. That was like one of the big differences that was like, yes. Selling we're points. Yeah, you know, we're pulling the trigger and we're <laughs> trying this mattress, and I'm glad we did. You're going to love Purple, and right now our listeners get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts that they're offering on their website. You just text Diana to 84888. The only way to get the free pillow is to text Diana to 84888. That is D-I-A-N-A to 84888. Message and data rates may apply, but you'll enjoy the sleep. Okay, so they talked about not just doing things that are right or, or using your voice when, when you think it's important, but also there's a lot of writings on, on happiness and self-fulfillment. Yeah. And yeah. again, like I can't stress enough how these are writings that are 150 years old. And what they say to me is, you know, what do what those people's lives have in common with ours? They all died in their 30s and 40s. Like the, <laughs> you know, the age expectancy was half of what it is today. Uh, they didn't have any. And they, had, and they had they had to wear long dresses all the, day long. I mean, they didn't have indoor plumbing, <laughs> you know, like their lives were nothing like our lives. And yet the things that they struggled with and they wrote about are no different than the things that we struggle with today. And all of us, I think on a daily basis are saying, you know what, this, this will pass this moment of stress in my life when I'm overwhelmed by everything that's going on. I, it'll just pass. It's just short lived. And that moment just stretches like year after year after year. And it's only when you put a stake in the ground and you say, okay, I'm going to do something about it now. That's when things will actually start to change. Yeah. And there's a lot of writing, you know, throughout this book, but certainly throughout the literature about what we commonly now call mindfulness. Um, and, and I think that, that a lot of, you know, you could boil this down to, you know, the, the, your job, you know, is to stay focused on the present moment and to find joy in every present moment rather than worrying about what happened yesterday or what happened when you were 10 or, you know, what might or might not happen tomorrow or next month or next quarter. And, and uh, you know, I'm not the first person to say that. I mean, there's lots of works right now that, that are very focused on that idea of, of mindfulness, but the only place we can experience joy is in the present moment. And by not seeking joy. So my next favorite quote is from Nathaniel Hawthorne about finding happiness. So happiness in this world, when it comes, comes incidentally. Make it the yeah. object of pursuit and it leads us on a wild goose chase and is never attained. 
follow some other object, and very possibly we may find that we have caught happiness without dreaming of it. But likely enough, it is gone the moment that we say to ourselves, oh, here it is, like the chest of gold that treasure seekers find. Yeah. I mean, how many books are dedicated to to finding your happy place and doing things for yourself? And, you know, the secret is to stop trying to chase happiness and find mindfulness and purpose of doing something. I mean, you could you could substitute the word. And I know I have another passage in there that that uses this theme. You could substitute the word success. Uh, you know, a lot of business people seek success and, and, you know, those who actually achieve a level of success that brings them joy, we're not seeking it. Well, how do you use these learnings after having gone through this process? How does it affect you now that you've kind of stepped away from them? Um, you know, I can't remember if I said this already, <laughs> but I think I grew more writing this book, you know, than probably the past decade, um, because not only reading the work, but just forcing myself to, to reflect on it. Um, you know, it, it, it was a very, uh, immersive project project as you might, you know, imagine. Um, and so a couple of the, the biggest things for me is I, you know, I felt like I was fairly self-reliant coming to this, but I, I care less about um, you know, putting an image out there. Uh, I have probably completely redefined my definition of success. Um, I feel that I am far more content <laughs> than I probably ever was with what I'm here to do. And I will tell you this, and hopefully, um, hopefully all of my clients are listening. I feel like I'm serving my clients better because I have completely focused on what I'm here to give rather than what I'm here to receive. And so much of this work reminds you every day that self-reliance is a practice. It's like working out. You can't just work yep. out and be like, okay, now I'm good for the rest of my life. It's something <laughs> that you're either doing and reflecting on on a regular basis, or you're just not doing it at all. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I believe will happen, because I've experienced this, um, when I've gone back and read a book for the second, third, fourth time, I'm amazed at how many times I will gain new insights. And it's it's not that, you know, the author secretly snuck something new in there. It's that I'm a different person, you know, than now, two years later, when I read this work. And I think that, that this book, in some ways, in this format, could possibly work that way. You um, you get the gold star because you you said you've read the entire book. I did <laughs> front to front to back, which you know that you that, said nobody's uh, done. You, yeah, <laughs> nobody's done yet because the book isn't available. But it it it's also not it's not necessarily designed to be read that way. Um, although I'm sure there are people that do. But one of the things I do know is that you know on December 31st, when somebody's gone through this book, when they flip back over to January 1st, I can almost guarantee you that that reading that they read a year ago is going to mean something different to them. Well, I really enjoyed this work, John, and I found it to be meditative. When I was reading yeah. and reflecting, I really found myself at peace and and open-minded. And I really appreciate this gift that you have created for the world that anybody, not just entrepreneurs, can enjoy. So thank you so much for that. Well, I, I appreciate it um, that, you know, I guess it, I, my work is done here. If I have caused, uh, <laughs> some growth in one, one human being, uh, my work is done. Here. Where can people find out more about you, John? So 
Um, my business is called Duct Tape Marketing, and that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. So that's all the small business marketing stuff that I do. If you want to find uh, all the information about uh, this book, depending upon when you're listening uh, to this show, it'll be available um, everywhere you buy books, October 22nd of 2019. But you can also find it at selfreliantentrepreneur.com. And I realize that's a hard term to spell, <laughs> but it's just selfreliantentrepreneur.com. If you, I think if you Google it and get close to that, you'll come across my book. Listen, these people, they can type in professional AF. So I feel very confidently <laughs> in their spelling abilities. They're going to get it. And worst case scenario, they type it into Google and Google will help them get to the right place. That's right. Did you really mean self-reliant entrepreneur? <laughs> <laughs> John, yeah. thank you so much. Awesome. That was trippy, right, Jesse? So trippy. <laughs> I mean, it was it was so cool in a very different way than most of our episodes. A lot of them are like, wow, everything you knew about yourself and how you live life is wrong and you need to rethink it. And this was just like, oh, you need to get to know yourself better and trust yourself better. Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you get out of the show, Jesse? Well, what I got out of the show is just how amazing we're like talking about all these historians from years ago and they're all busy. They're all afraid about what other people think. We're all afraid. And it's just like, nah, it's just the human condition. Yeah. Like you, you, you think that you're special and your problems are different than everybody else's, but then it's like, oh, we're not even special. Like this generation, this, this hundred year period of human beings is the same as every other. Yes. So cool. It's so cool. All right. Other takeaways. My other takeaway is that we all may call it something different, you know, being self-reliant or self-exploration. Um, sometimes I call it, you know, just tuning into myself or coming home to myself. And um, I do that. I, do, I have a very serious practice of that. And I think that's what the whole point of this book is, to have a practice to do that. I've never called it transcendentalism before, <laughs> but I do think that what you're saying about reflecting, you know, there's all this research that shows that taking the time to reflect is the only way that we understand like new information and that we process things. And most of us are just going through the day without taking I, me included without taking the time to be like, is this the right direction for me? Is this where I want to be headed? And this episode was like a really good opportunity to stop and think about those things. Totally. Anything else? I think it's so important to have a practice to really do that and actually embed it. And so I've started journaling every night. And I think that's, it's like for me, like going to the gym keeps you from being fat. And it's like, yeah, journaling also keeps your brain healthy and like you're trimming the fat, you know? How many days in a row, Jesse, have you journaled? Well, I have now journaled 382 days. Oh my in a gosh. Row. Thanks to the Streaks app. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> well, if you have some reflections on the show, things that you thought about, we would love to hear it. Please join us at the Facebook group, Professional AF Podcast Insiders. It's really easy to get in. The access code is super easy. <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear what you thought about the show, your takeaways, how you're going to implement it in your life. And Please have this conversation with a friend. Uh, Jesse and I are getting much closer as, as friends because we're having these conversations with one another. And I feel a real connection to everybody that has reached out and shared their personal stories with me. So please have these conversations. Make sure you're subscribed to the show to hear all of the upcoming episodes. This entire season is raw fire. <laughs> <laughs> and please remember that 
curiosity is your superpower. This week, I want you to turn that superpower on yourself. Trust yourself. Believe yourself. Because you know the way. Talk to you soon.